Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About the Wastelands. Whew. Chapter 1, Part 2. We'll just go with that. That's the simplest route. <laughs> Still in barren bone. But we'll be finishing that up today, moving on. Yes. This is... Let me find where I was, because I didn't go back to <laughs> our previous... I think it's 46. That's what it is. Okay. Page 46. Mine was on 47, but... Why are ours different? Oh, it, it is 47 technically. But when I was thinking how much you had to read, I'm like, oh, oh we're going okay. from 46 to 86 technically. So it's 40 pages, roughly. Fun. No, we... I know, technically it's 39 pages. Okay, it's 47 to 86. Okay. I was like, don't confuse me because we read... I was making it we easy. We read section 15, right? Yes. Okay, yes, then we're, we're done. <laughs> but still, technically, technically. He's confused. He's still listening to him. Only listen. For all the other people out there, we're on page 47. <laughs> We are on section 16. Yes. The paradox. I actually remembered to print this as I was walking out the door. I thought it was going to be much later than I was. Uh, because I was like, oh crap, I should Everybody? probably print. Yeah, it, it, it's a rare occurrence out of the three books we're going through now. I've done this what? barely a handful of times. Uh, I don't think once in the, well, this one, we are literally in the second part of it. I was like, not that once in this... Yeah, we've all done it once, yeah, so. Yeah, I forgot. Still in the beginning. Okay, so pretty much what we found out last time is that Roland feels divided. His mind is remembering Jake, but also telling him that Jake is not real. So he is literally going insane, and that's where we left off. Yeah. Too late, Gunslinger, Roland said. Too late. Your luck will be bad from this to the end of the eternity. That's your car. And then we pick up with Eddie. All right, Eddie said at last. I understand your paradox. Your memory is divided. Not divided, doubled. Uh, all right. It's almost the same thing, isn't it? Eddie grasped a twig and made his own little drawing in the sand. Which is... I can do this without actually holding it up. But just a line and then two branch points that come back down to a line. And we... And he's like, well, before the way station is this line, and after, or when you meet the man in black is this line. Yeah. But in the in-between point is the two branching paths that the boy Jake yes. is either in or not in. So he circles that middle section and pretty much tells Roland, forget it. <laughs> Just forget it! Close it off in your mind, doesn't matter, move on. And Roland's like, it isn't over. <laughs> If my memories of the boy Jake are false, and I know they are, how can I have this? And he's holding the jawbone. He's like, I took it to replace the one I threw away. But the one I threw away came from the cellar of the way station, and along the track I know is true. I never went down the cellar. I never spoke with the demon. I moved on alone with fresh water and nothing else. So he's pretty much saying he knows he has this jawbone to replace the other one. But technically, there shouldn't be anything to replace. Yes. Which means he would have never grabbed the jawbone to begin with. Yeah. But he does have this jawbone, which means he grabbed it for a reason. Yes. So he pretty much is just like, you maybe hallucinated the whole thing, and you just took Walter's jawbone because. And Roland's like, it was not a hallucination. And then, just, whoop. And then for no reason whatsoever, and a surprise... 
to everybody, something Eddie would have sworn Roland did not know he meant to do himself. He threw the jawbone into the fire. Ah. It's like, why, Roland? Why would you do that? And it just... That did seem to be the right thing to do. It, apparently, things just got crazy. It starts morphing and changing. Susanna is screaming. She's just She gets the worst end of this. It's not good for her. Yeah. She cried out and threw their hands up to shield their eyes. But yes, the bone began to change. Not to melt, but to change. And that is Eddie's time. Yep. It changed, I think, what? Just like this slingshot, the wood stump. He thought it was a key. You must remember the shape, he thought feverishly. You must. You must. His eyes traced desperately. Three V's. The one at the center, larger and deeper than the other two. Three notches. And the one closest to the end had a swiggle. Uh, the shallow shape of a lowercase s. Yes. So we have our mention of the key. The key. And I love to give a nice little drawing at the bottom of the key. Yeah. Of what it should look <laughs> yeah, like. When he, We're yeah. gonna, I don't know if this is going to get focused. But the bottom, right down there, you can see the key. It's pretty. Pretty much because right after this happens, Eddie's like, I have to remember and scribbles it in the dirt. Yes. But before that, mm-hmm. he sees something else in the fire. Yep, it changed again from the key. For a moment, Eddie saw a rose, a triumphant rose that might have bloomed in the dawn of the world's first day, a thing of deathless, timeless beauty. His eyes saw and his heart was opened. It was as if all the love and life had suddenly risen from Roland's dead artifact. It was there in the fire, burning out in triumph and some wonderful defiance declaring that despair was a mirage and death a dream the rose he thought incoherently first the key then the rose behold behold the opening of the way to the tower the rose the rose the rose so we have the key and we have the rose yeah and we also have sparks flying out of the fire and then susanna's the only one that's like oh my god (laughs) Because, well, yeah, they land in her lap. She's sitting there slapping them off. And meanwhile, they're just hitting Eddie. And he's just like... Gotta see, gotta see. (laughs) Uh, Then the bone was gone. The key was gone. The rose was gone. Remember, he thought. Remember the rose. And remember the shape of the key. Very important. Yes. Definitely important, that key. (laughs) Let's remember the key. Why did you do it? Susanna asked at last. Why, for God's sake? And what was it? Fifteen minutes had gone by the fire. So pretty much they're still sitting by the fire. It's pretty much died out. Roland's not talking to anybody. And Eddie's just kind of still transfixed and just thinking about things. Thinking if he should be telling anybody and he decides that he's going to just hold on to this for a while. And he was the only one to really see these things. Yes. Roland saw something. Susanna didn't see Jack's squat. No. <laughs> she saw a fire. A hideous thing being thrown into the fire. And sparks and who knows what else co- coming off of it. And does not understand anything that just happened. So Eddie was the only one who saw what he saw. And he has elected to keep that to himself at yes. the moment. 
And so finally Roland decides to answer. I did it because a voice spoke in my mind and told me I must. It was the voice of my father, of all my fathers. When one hears such a voice not to obey, and at once is unthinkable, so I was taught. As to what it was, I can't say, not now at least. I only know that the bone has spoken its final word. I have carried it all this way to hear it. And of course, Susanna's just like, no, it almost fried us today. You said you were beginning to understand. Roland nodded, I think so, yes. If I'm right, I fear for Jake. Wherever he is, wherever he is, I fear for him. What do you mean, Eddie asked. Roland got up, went to his role and roll of hides and began to spread them out enough stories and excitement for one night it's time to sleep in the morning we'll follow the bear's backtrack and see if we can find the portal which he set to guard so yes he pretty much he lays down does his whole i'm gonna go to sleep thing and then they lay down, you know, spend some quality time together, and then afterwards are, like, pretty much just sitting there whispering about him. And we know that Roland's awake the entire time. Yeah, which was, yeah, yeah, which was just the funniest thing, in my opinion. <laughs> they, like, they, they, they waited and made sure he was asleep <laughs> and made love. Yeah. And then we find immediately after, Roland was awake the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Roland, I guess you gotta, I don't know, some, some yeah. He heard their quiet after-love talk. Most of it was about him. And then he pretty much was just sitting there thinking. And he said, Ah. He thought fine to be young and in love, even in the graveyard which this world had become. It was fine. Enjoy it while you can, he thought, because there is more death ahead. We have come to a stream of blood that it will lead us to a river of the same stuff, I have no doubt and further along to an ocean. In this world, the graves yawn, and none of the dead rest easy. Yeah, I marked all that, too. It's like, that's a pretty nice little, little yeah, thing there. Just like, holy cow. Do what you gotta do, because the road's gonna be hard ahead. Really, really hard. So then we have one of the, I would say one of the coolest parts of this chapter, is Eddie's dream. Yes, Eddie does a lot of dreaming. <laughs> There's a lot of dreaming going on in this chapter. He... But this is starting the dream. Yes. I was. I meant to look up the book, You Can't Go Home. Yeah, but, I didn't do that at all. Yeah, I didn't. But pretty much, he's in this dream. He's walking down New York, and he's thinking to himself that he should enjoy it because he's never making it back to New York. And mm-hmm. he happens to be holding a book called You Can't Go Home Again by Thomas Wolfe. Stamped into the dark red cover were three shapes, key, rose, and door. He stopped for a moment, flipped the book open, and read the first line. The man in black fled across the desert. Uh, Wolfe had written, and the gunslinger followed. Look at you! Look at you! Look at you! Look at look at you, Stephen King! Look what you're doing here! Yeah, where have we heard, where have we heard that before? I don't know. It sounds so familiar. So incredibly familiar. I can't possibly guess where it came from. No, not at all. 
So pretty much, he just keeps walking in his dream, and he happens to pass a homeless man sitting out in front of a store, called, or a magic shop called the House of Cards. And he, he recognizes this homeless man. Enrico Balazar. Yes. And what's funny, because we all know that Enrico loved to build towers of cards. And yes. so in the window of the magic shop is a giant tower of cards with King Kong with a radio dish. Yep, yep. King Kong on it with a radio dish on his head. I wonder <laughs> where, where, why Eddie would dream of something like that. But, yeah, he, he just... He, he just keeps walking, pretty much. The only thing is, is that... Doesn't he... Oh, he does. It says the bum was asking him for a handout and Eddie just throws in the book. Well, and then that's when it turns out, oh, you're Enrico. Yeah, that's, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, you wanted to, here's a book. Read a book. So, yes. So, finally, Eddie finds what he was looking for in his dream. And he gets this sense of relief. It's Tom and Jerry's Artistic Deli. Party platters are a specialty. Sure, sure they are. I, <laughs> sure they are. Okay. Uh, as he stood looking in, someone else he knew came around the corner. It was Jack and Leany, wearing a three-piece suit. Blah, 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 blah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, black cane. Half of his face was gone, lopped off by the claws of the lobstrosities. Yes. Go. We, all, we all remember what happened to Jack and yeah, Leany. Jack didn't make it. Jack, Jack did not make it. <laughs> Go on in, Eddie, Jack said as he passed. After all, there are other worlds than these. And that effing train trolls through all of them. Dun, dun. Dun. Train. Train. I can't, Eddie replied. The door is locked. You didn't know how he knew this, but he did. And then, of course, da chum da chi. Not to worry, you've got the key. So now Jack is speaking like a lobstrosity. <laughs> but, huh, the key. The key. <laughs> he has the key. Eddie looked down and saw he did have a key. A primitive-looking thing with three notches like the inverted Vs. The little S-shape at the end of that last notch is the secret, he thought. So pretty much, he op he puts the key in, it does unlock the door, and he opens it, and at first, it terrifies him what he sees. Just a field of crimson. Yep, there was nothing behind it, nothing at all. He turned back to survey and he surrounded it. Well, saw filled with terror, the filled with deep scarlet, as if someone, some titanic battle had been fought here, and the ground had been drenched with so much blood, it could not all be absorbed. Then he realized that it was not blood he was looking at, but roses. The feeling of mangling joy and triumph surged through him again, swelling his heart until he felt it might burst within. He raised his clenched fist high into the air and gesture of victory and then froze that way. Sorry, all I pictured was the breakfast club. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And then a whole lot of other crap that happened here. Oh. <laughs> so pretty much the next thing he notices is the tower. And we the get tower. a big beautiful description of this tower. We'll just show you the picture in a bit, but... 
not far. No, it's really no. not far. Yeah. Maybe closer. Than mine's you. literally the very like at the very end of the thing. It makes no sense. Like mine literally ends between Key and Rose. Oh no, mine's a little before that. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's a pr- very very yes, pretty picture. It is. It really is. I don't know how, if the light's going to reflect too much. Who knows? We're going to attempt to show you this. It's probably going to be very reflective. I'll turn it some angles and you can maybe, <laughs> maybe one of them will work. I don't know. Probably not. You probably didn't see anything. Either way, it's a, it's a very, like even Stephen King, he makes just a very beautiful picture drawn out of this giant looming tower. And at the same, same time that it's beautiful, like Eddie even is, like, how gorgeous it is, Eddie marveled. How gorgeous and strange. But his feeling of joy and triumph had departed. He was left with a sense of deep malice and impending doom. He looked about him and realized with sudden horror that he was standing in the shadow of the tower. Not just standing it, he was buried alive in it. So, the tower quickly becomes a nightmare. I like the description. That he put here as well. The stone of which had been made was not black as he had imagined it would be, but soot colored. Yes. Just interesting. Not black. Because when I think about the Dark Tower, yeah. I mean, I think a, a black, black standing yeah. tower. And I mean, even looking at this, I would still probably assume it was black and not necessarily yeah. soot. Like just, oh, it's being hit by the light or whatever. Yeah. But. It's just interesting. It's not a black tower. Yeah. It's a very dark gray tower. Yeah, it's a. It's pretty much a just chalky, just. Uh, I don't know. It's just... Can't always trust the pictures. Yeah. The pictures sometimes lie. It's a lie. Yeah. I think this one. Yeah. This one. This book is more accurate than the last book because they did some wonky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like y- y'all got this all wrong. But yes, he. He pretty much, real being he realized he was in the shadow, just everything started to warp. Everything started to warp around the tower. Terrible, inhuman eyes just start appearing out of nowhere, just staring at him. And it says, uh, They were red, red as roses, red as blood. Jack Andalini's dead voice hammered in his ears. A thousand worlds, Eddie, ten thousand, and that train rolls through every one. If you can get it started, and if you do get it started, your troubles are only beginning because this device is a real bastard to shut down. Oh, yeah. A real bastard. Oh, yeah, robots to shut down. Eddie, Eddie, boy, you better believe it. This bastard is shutting down. Shutting down will be complete in one hour and six minutes. In his dream, Eddie threw his hands up to shield his eyes. Dumb. So, another another mention of a train. Maybe we got trains going. I mean, come on. Cover the book. <laughs> come on. If you don't know there's something going on with a train. Yes. But... Surprisingly enough, the train... Not like the biggest piece of this book by no means. Truthfully, kind of a small part of the overall book. But such a cool part of the book that it it takes the entire focus. Yes, and that's the thing. Is that honestly reading this again for the first time in a while, I didn't even pick up on the tiny notes that I am now. Like I thought that was, you know, later. I didn't even realize that it was sprinkled this early on. So I'm like, ooh. Well, this is the Surprises. first deep dive in the books I've ever done. So, 
Which I figured a lot of things were in these back to back to back and doing so pretty bit much. by bit. He's, he, he hears that in his dream, and he wakes up bolt right, thinking that his dream has pretty much followed him out, because there it is again, just the loud, shouting voice of something dying. <laughs> there is no danger. Repeat. There is no danger. Five subnuclear cells are dormant. Two subnuclear cells are now in shutdown phase. One. Okay, he goes on like yes. this. Um, <laughs> call one nine hundred four four. The code word for this device is Shardik. Reward is offered. Repeat. Reward is offered. So Eddie finally is like, what is going on? <laughs> so he looks around and sees that Roland and Suzanne are already awake. They're standing off, just staring off into... Yeah, yeah, Eddie, you, you kind of slept through a lot yeah. here. Things are happening. He's like, how long has this been going on? About 15 minutes. You were dead to the... She broke off. Eddie, you look terrible. Yeah, you, you look sick? terrible. <laughs> no, I just had a bad dream. Roland was studying him in a way that made Eddie feel uncomfortable. Sometimes there's truth in dreams, Eddie. What was yours? I like that Roland asks this because... Roland does a few things in this chapter. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah. You, buddy. <laughs> you... I like that he asks this because we've known from, I think, last book, we've known from the the first book that Roland still dreams of the tower. And his dreams are very similar to what Eddie is dreaming right now. At least the description of the tower, the field of crimson. Mm -hmm. Like, we've gotten that before, but I don't know if it's ever went into the roses part with Roland. I think it's just explained as crimson. I don't remember. I don't remember. But, uh, so pretty much, it's like, Roland, he's, he's, he may be picking up on some things. Roland's a lot smarter than he may look. Uh, he thought for a moment, then shook her head. I don't remember. You know, I doubt that. You know, I doubt that. Eddie shrugged and favored Roland with thin smile. <laughs> doubt away, then. Be my guest. And how, how is your morning, Roland? The same, Roland said, his faded blue eyes still conned found Eddie's face. Stop it, Susanna said. Her voice had brisk, but Eddie caught and her tone of nervousness. Both of you. I got better things to do than watch you two dance around and kick each other's shins like a couple of little kids. <laughs> Playing two for flinching. <laughs> Especially this morning with that dead bear trying to yell down the whole world. Roland knows something's up. And knows Eddie's not saying things. <laughs> All right, but are you sure there's nothing you want to tell me, Eddie? Eddie has some doubts. He really just doesn't want to say anything. In the He's world. like, I, yeah, I really thought about telling what he had seen in the fire, what he had seen in his dream. He di decided against it. He knew he could not tell these things as his eyes had seen them and his heart had felt them. He could only cheapen them, and at least for the time being, he wanted to ponder these things alone. I will. Or he says, remember the rose and the shape of the key. I will, he murmured. You will what? Roland asked. Tell, if there's anything I remember. No. And then we get a little thing with them getting a little bit closer and Roland tearing off some of his old shirt and stuffing <laughs> in his ears to try to block some of the sound. Um, 
and they pretty much go about picking up all the stuff they left at their old camp when, you know, Shardik decided to trample down everything. They got all their bags back, and they picked up something that wasn't mentioned before. A strange homemade harness with a seat of stitched deerskin dangled from a nearby branch. Mm-hmm. Susanna made a sour face. <laughs> yeah, she's not very keen to this this particular device. You know we'll need it. She shrugged back. I know, but that doesn't mean I like it. Not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a smidge. She does not like this thing. No. But, like you said, they'll need it. Oh, yeah. And so... They pretty much, she gets into her wheelchair. Everybody starts on their way. All their pockets are stuffed and ready to go. And they see the path that Shardik has broken down. Not necessarily for them. Yeah, not for them at all. Uh, the broken spruces leaned in towards each other, formed a, a rude gate. And he thought, this is where the quest for Roland's Dark Tower really begins. At least for us. Yay! Mm, this is, but let's just <laughs> no, let's let's just wait a moment. Let's just wait a moment. Um, I did note a wheelchair bit because uh, she, of course, said that she didn't want the thing. She didn't want the harness, but I know the wheelchair is mentioned instantly. In the next one, I'm yeah. sure it was beforehand too. Yeah, but. Um, it was pretty much. Oh, it was pretty much the fact that uh, Eddie had said, um, pretty much at some point in either the past couple pages or that page. I can't find it right now. Eddie says, or uh, Susanna complains about, like, or, it's the wheelchair, and it says, Eddie thought she wouldn't be in the wheelchair much longer. Mm -hmm. But then the next section literally start, starts with, they were able to use the wheelchair longer than Roland had expected. And I just took note of that. Like, wait, you said that Eddie, you said Eddie was the one that doubted everything, and now it says it moved it to Roland. I don't know without going back to that piece and that piece could somewhere in here, but we don't have uh, what control F or control whatever it is to yeah. find a word. Uh, it's fine. We can move on. Well, you were very determined about this. Oh, there it is. Because it, it literally ends before section twenty-one. It says, uh, "I'll tell you." Because uh, it was when Eddie was like, "If I, I'll tell you if anything comes up. And it says, uh, They packed the gear they had bought with them from the old campsite and headed back. Susanna riding in her wheelchair again. Eddie had an idea. She wouldn't be riding in it for long. And then 22 literally starts out with, They were able to use the wheelchair longer than Roland had expected. And I was just like, Stephen King, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Get your character Could you straight. be talking about two different characters? No. Nope. They both could have thought the same thing. Nope. So we are at fifth or uh, 
what is it, 15? No. What? Nothing, I was thinking of time. Oh, okay. Pretty much, uh, Susanna says, I hope you keep that harness lying empty over your shoulders all day, and then it said less than 15 minutes later. Yeah, the path is getting rough. Yes. Even with Eddie throwing his weight against the wheelchair, it's not moving anymore. <laughs> Time for a pigback, lady. <laughs> Roland in his language. That's something, but I don't remember what it was now. I don't see it because it's not where I put my little note. Um, I think I just noted that, that oh. she finally had to get in the harness. So. Yeah. Whether she liked it or not, yeah. it was time. It says then the slope began to grow more steep and the ground underfoot became mushy. Time for a pigback, lady. Roland said, "Let's try the wheelchair a little longer." What do you say? Going might get easier. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Because if you try that hill, you'll... What did you call it, Eddie? Do a dugout? A dugout. Eddie shook his head, grinning. It's called doing a donut, Roland. A term from my misspent sidewalk surfing days. Whatever you call it, it means landing on your head. Come on, Susanna. Up you come. And then she has to be lifted into the heart. Some interesting uh, choice of uh, words and stuff coming up here. For which part? This is when they take a little break. After trying to get the wheelchair and Susanna through everything oh. on 59. Oh, my last note on that was pretty much about the bear. It said uh, They finally shut up? Yeah, it, got, it <laughs> said the woods had fallen silent and it says... I thought it still had seven minutes to go, Eddie said. Roland adjusted the straps of the harness. Its clock must have started running a little slow during the last five or six hundred years. You really think it was that old, Roland? Roland nodded. At least. And now it's past. The last of the twelve guardians, for all we know. Yep, 59 kicks off of the bank. Yes. Yes, Roland said. Not too much now. A little more for us before we set out again. Uh, that's no way to take camp. Roland, Eagle Scout of Oz, Eddie said, and giggled as he unslung the water skin. What is Oz? A make-believe place in a movie, Susanna said. Oz was a lot more than that, my brother. Harry used to read it to me. Tell you to blah, blah, blah. That would be fine, the gunslinger replied seriously. I am hungry to know more of your world. Ah, oh, this isn't exactly our world. <laughs> like Susanna said, it's a make-believe place. Roland handed them chunks of meat. Of course, the, uh, the gunslinger burritos. Yes. Uh, the quickest way to learn about a new place is to know what it dreams of. And I would hear of this Oz. Yeah. Good old Oz. Yes. I actually really liked that quote. Is the quickest way to learn about a new place is to know what it dreams of. I would hear of this Oz. I, li I thought that was a really good... Just, Roland has those iconic moments where it's just like, you you are a wise man. But uh, before that, I had a... You said that was the last thing you had. You lied to me. Yes, I did you lie lied to me. I did lie you to lied. You lied. All I noted was the car wash. Is that 
when finally oh, they put yeah. her back in the wheelchair and or no she just looks at the wheelchair and realizes it's dirty and she's like uh you got dirt on my wheelchair i'm putting this in my report and he's like next car wash we come to i will you know run you through it and it says turtle wax it too yeah, more or less that's what was said through that little well the particular instance yeah. which i thought was funny and then that's when they're pretty much just like okay we're we're Sitting down for a bit. So then finally we get into Roland's explanation of what's going on in his head. Yep. Yeah. A little bit here. Uh, Roland nodded, yes, I think both memories are true. One a little truer than the other. But that does not negate the truth of the other. Makes no sense to me, Eddie said. Either this boy Jake was at the way station or wasn't, Roland. It is a paradox. Something that is and isn't at the same time. Until it's resolved, I will continue divided. This is, that's bad enough, but the basic split is widening, and I can feel it happening. It is unspeakable. And then he talks about, yeah, Suzanne. What do you think causes, Susanna asked. I told you, the boy was pushed in front of a car. Pushed. Now, who do you know who likes to push people in front of things? Understanding dawned on her face. Jack Mort, do you mean he was the one who pushed the boy into the street? Yes. But you said it was the man in black that did it. Eddie objected. Your buddy Walter. Yeah, good old buddy Walter. You said the boy saw him. A man who looked like a priest. Didn't the kid even hear him say he was? Let me through. I'm a priest. Something like that? Oh, Walter was there. They both were there. And they both pushed Jake. To which Eddie, of course, makes an offhanded, smart-ass comment. That's a, that's a, Eddie does that. At every opportunity possible. Somebody bring the Thorazine and that straitjacket that he called. Roland just went over the high side. Roland paid no attention to this. He was coming to understand that Eddie's jokes and clowning were his way of dealing with stress. Cuthbert had not been much different, as Susanna was in her way not so different from Elaine. Oh, yeah. uh, right, the thought even because Eddie began to understand if Jake wasn't pushed into the street he never died, and if he never died he never came into this world, and if he never came into this world, you never met him at the way station, right? Right the thought even crossed my mind that if Jack meant to kill the boy, I would have to stand aside and let him do it to avoid creating the very paradox that's tearing me apart but I couldn't do that I, I you couldn't kill this kid twice, could you? Uh, Jenny, uh, Eddie asked softly. Every time I just about make up my mind that you're a mechanical as the bear, you surprise me with something actually seems human. Quit it, Eddie, Susanna said. Mm. Mm. Eddie took a look at the gunslinger's slightly lowered face and grimaced. Sorry, Roland. My mother used to say that my mouth had a bad habit of running away with my mind. It's all right. I had a friend who was the same way. Cuthbert, 
Roland nodded. And then we get the description of Katet. Hmm. Yep. For the first time since the last of his friends with whom I set forth on this quest died, I have found myself once again at the center of Katet. Quartet? Quart yeah, quartet. <laughs> Eddie asked uh, doubtfully. The gunslinger shook his head. Cobb. The word you think of as destiny, Eddie, although the actual meaning is is much more complex and hard to define, as is almost always the case with words of high speech. Entet, which means group of people with the same interests and goals. We three are a tet, for instance. Katet is the place where many lives are joined by fate. I was going to look that up, too. The Bridge of San Luis. Bridge. Yeah, I don't know anything about yeah. that. She does bring that up. A story about some people who die together when the bridge they're crossing collapses. It's famous in our world. Is it? I, I don't well, I mean, this is also... Her world was the 60s. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a lot different than... I know. I just I feel like it was something I was supposed to know and I didn't. No, it doesn't, you do not know. But yes. So he pretty much explains that in the case he's talking about... Jake, Jack Mort, and Walter were all, pretty much, Jake, Walter, Jack Mort, and me were a cotet. We were connected by fate. And Walter knew this and was laughing. <laughs> and we finally get that he decides to describe that good old Mort liked to be in disguise when he yes. did things. Uh, with... With Susanna, he was disguised in the big shirt, which we got a description of in the last book. Yes. I believe he got the last book. When, yes. And also, when he pushed her originally, supposedly he was dressed as a construction worker. Yes. And the day he had planned to push Jake, no doubtly, undoubtedly, he would be dressed as a priest. Yes. So pretty much what he originally had been talking about with, with the whole Kotet thing is that when he entered Jack Mort's body, it wasn't technically the day that he was going to push him. He mentioned that too. Something was going to stop Jack Mort that day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to explain the costumes and or the disguises and everything like that. I also said it was understandable that Jake would get him confused. Yes. Saying the guy he had met at the way station wearing plain black, big robes... And that Mort and him weren't, like, drastically different people. Yeah. And they were both wearing the similar things. And Jake also saw Jack Mort when he was in the process of dying. Yes. So. It's like, if there's a horse's ass in this picture, it's me for not realizing the truth sooner. And then we find out that mm, Mort might have had these suggested to him by Walter. Mm -hmm. Like, Walter had... Gone into his mind like Roland had and just kind of whispered, priest outfit, priest outfit. It's a lot that Walter <laughs> has done. Yes. It says, it, was it says he would not have recognized the voice of an intruder of Walter whispering deep within his mind telling him what to do. Jack Mort, Eddie marbled, it was Jack Mort all the time. Yes, with assistance from Walter. And so I ended up saving Jack's li Jake's life after all. When I made Mort jump from the subway platform in front of the train, I changed everything. 
And this is exactly what Walter wanted. Yes. To tear Roland's mind apart. Yes. Because Susanna had asked the really smart question, well, you know, if she if he made Mort do it, why couldn't he just make someone else do it? And Eddie's like, no, no. That's not the whole point. No, 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 no. He's very carefully orchestrated all this to happen exactly like it needed to happen. So Roll would be in the predicament that he seems to be at the moment. Yes. Plus, it comes to the fact that by the time Roland had even made it to the last door to stop Jack Morris, Walter was already dead. Like, a hundred years dead. <laughs> yeah, however all that happened. Yeah, I don't know. Magic. So, this time travel business is some confusing crap, isn't it? Which To which Roland is like, We're, it's time to go. We're leaving. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I, I can't say I really enjoyed this part because it was sad. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense. And you just see how passionate Roland is. Because Eddie's like... Eddie stood up and shrugged into his pack. You can take comfort from one thing, at least, he told Roland. You, or this cotet business, were able to save the kid after all. Roland had been knotting the harness strings at his chest. Now he looked up and the blazing clarity of his eyes made Eddie flinch backward. Have I? he asked harshly. Mm -hmm. Have I really? I'm going insane an inch at a time, trying to live with two versions of the same reality. I had hoped at first that one to the or the other would begin to fade away, but that's not happening. In fact, the exact opposite is happening. Those two realities are growing louder and louder in my head, clar clamoring at each other like opposing factions which must soon go to war. So tell me this, Eddie. How do you suppose Jake feels? How do you suppose it feels to know you are dead in one world and alive in another? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Eddie could not say anything. Yeah, I can't say much after that. No. It's so much worse for Jake. Yes. So, as they are going along, they're still following Shardik's trail of destruction. Yeah, they're going through. He lets good old Eddie, I believe, know that they're... Yeah, we're close to the place we want to find. They're getting close to where they need to be. Okay. That's fine. Find trees, and then... Ah, so it says, The place we want is on the other side of those trees. We'll have a look. We might do a little work as well. Open, or what makes you think? Open your ears. Eddie listened and realized he heard machinery. Yes. I noted that. Uh, 
Because Eddie, uh, that is for the night, Eddie asked. Roland shook his head. Give Eddie your gun, Susanna. She did, as he said, looking at him questioningly. Come on, Eddie. The place we want is on the other side of these yeah, trees. You have to look at a little work as well. What makes you think? Open your ears and Eddie heard machinery. Yeah, no one's been really paying attention to the, the sound, <laughs> surprisingly. But Roland hears everything. So, yes. So Almost. Yeah. So, Roland pretty much has set Susanna down, gave had Susanna give Eddie the gun, and is like, we're going. And Eddie's like, but I don't want to leave Susanna. It's like, it's, she'll be fine. We're between the trouble and her, so it's good. And pretty much it's like... We'll be back before dark, Roland promised. He started toward the screen of alders, and after a moment, Eddie followed him. Fifteen yards to the trees, Eddie realized they were following a path. One the bear probably made for itself over the years. Deep humming noise, he could feel the uh, fate a faint vibration, as if a large piece of machinery was running in in the earth. Above it, closer and more urgent, were... Criss-crossing sounds like bright scratching, squeaks, or squeals, squeaks, and chitterings. Roland placed his mouth against Eddie's ear and said, I think there's a little danger if we're quiet. Yes. So then we come to pretty much some bushes with a clearing kind of in front of it. Mm-hmm. And the ground looks a little weird. There's a, well, first off, there's the box. The giant nine-foot metal box. (laughs) And uh, he says that it reminded him of a subway entrance. The front was painted in diagonal yellow and black stripes. But that's not really what caught his attention. His attention was the strange dirt that was surrounding everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the strange (laughs) dirt. Uh, The thing making these squeaks. Oh, these things were moving through the dirt. Uh... Oh, here we go. It was literally, yeah, 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 black little topsoil in the forest. The strange powdery gray. It was littered with bones. And after a moment, Eddie realized that that had been... What he had taken for gray soil was more bones. Bones so old, they crumbled back to dust. That's pretty insane. Look, we've gone over how old good old Shardik was. Yes. Lay down. You've decided to start headbutting the table at this point. She thinks she's a shark, okay? But yes. And now there are things there are things moving in the dirt. Things making these squealing, chittering noises. Four, no, five of them. Small metal devices. The largest about the size of a collie pup. What a weird way to describe collie it. Pup. A collie pup. Not, not just a puppy, a collie pup. Very specifically, a collie. They were robots, Eddie realized. Or something like robots. Uh, they were similar to each other and to the bear. They had undoubtedly served in one way only. Atop each of them with tiny little radar dishes. More thinking caps, Eddie thought. The largest of these devices was a Tonka tractor. Eddie had gotten... Uh, looked like a Tonka tractor Eddie had gotten for his 6th or 7th birthday. So pretty much we have a Tonka truck. A stainless steel wrapped. A third appeared snake-constructed joints. I think we only, because I actually listed them, we technically only get the Tonka truck, the steel rat, the snake, but they says there's five of them. 
We get another one. One's a box. Yes. It's like a square box. It's like a box with mechanical legs. Skin, <laughs> little dangling mechanical legs. And they are circling endlessly. Just going around in a circle following each other. Which I wrote next to um, a caucus race. What? I, I wrote next... Because they were sitting there circling each other, the note I made was a caucus race. What? Alice in Wonderland. It's like... <laughs> okay. It's when she, of course, cries her tears. The entire place turns into, like, a lake and everything. She meets all those animals and creatures and stuff, yeah, and they're I'm all soaked. Okay. So what they do to get dry is a caucus race, where they just sit there and run in circles to get dry, and they're all following each other. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that had that kind of name, but sure. Okay. I'll take your word on that. Uh, yeah. Small little note. As he, they looked around, there was... He realized there were so many more of these little things. Yeah. Up to a dozen. Most of them not moving or doing anything. Yeah. They so kind of ones, died over the years. These ones have moved on. They moved on, exactly. <laughs> they moved on. And then it says, pretty much every now and then the device which followed the snake, and that's when the steel block comes in, would catch up with it and give the snake a nudge as if telling it to hurry up. My other little things towards the bottom of the page. Uh, clearing it almost seemed. Uh, good old Eddie. Eddie that could read the confused run of thoughts. Oh dear, oh dear, what now? What is our purpose now that he is gone? And who will take care of us now that he is gone? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. For some reason, which also reminded me of Alice in Wonderland, but... Oh, I'm late, I'm late! Yeah. <sighs> Eddie felt a tug on the back of his leg and came very close to screaming in fear and surprise. He willed, caught Roland's gun, and saw Susanna was looking up at him, wide-eyed. Susanna, <laughs> you can't be sneaking up on people like that. It's like, I came really close to putting a bullet in your silly little head. What are you doing here? She had to see. I wanted to see. And to which Roland reached down and was like, whoop. Yeah, look, 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 look at the little fun mechanical things. Also comments how insanely quiet she was sneaking up to yes. them. Yes. That he, Roland of all people, didn't hear her. Yes. Roland had to admit to himself that she could be as quiet as a ghost when she wanted to be. He hadn't heard a thing. And of course she was also scraped up and bloody because she had to crawl the entire way there. Yeah. So he's like, he just takes the last piece of his shirt and is like, doop, doop. Just starts dabbing it all over. And then Roland has decided, you know what? I forget how he says it exactly. <laughs> but decides that good old Eddie ah. is going to kill all these things. I feel sorry for them, she whispered. Isn't that crazy? Not at all, Roland whispered back. They are creatures of great sadness, I think, in their own strange way. Eddie is going to put them out of their misery. <laughs> Oh, good old, good old Eddie. It's, it, it's time. You're going to do it. It's time for a good old <laughs> lesson. Like, Eddie began to shake his head at once. Yes, you are. Unless you want to hunger here in what you call the toolies all night. Go for the hats, the little twirling things. What if I miss, Eddie whispered at him furiously. Rolling well, shrugged. shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Uh. To which Eddie still didn't want to because he thought it'll be like shooting puppies. Yep. 
Not exactly like shooting. I mean, not exactly like shooting puppies. That he decided. Yeah, because because pretty much he saw the little walking box just pull out a little pincher and go <laughs> to the snake. Little and he didn't really one heck of a time to go ahead and start uh, learning to shoot. You pick some strange times to keep school, buddy. And of course, Eddie thought of Susanna first because he's like, if I shoot one of these things, and they decide to get mad, they're the she's at ground level, okay? Pretend it's just a shooting gallery, and you want to win your honey a stuffed dog, he thought, or a stuffed bear. He drew a bead on the walking box and looked around impatiently when Roland touched his shoulder. Say your lesson, Eddie, and be true. Yay! We get to hear Eddie in his lesson. It's the same lesson. <laughs> I know, but it's Eddie's first time out loud. Uh, Wait, no. Did he do it in the last book? When it was just him and Roland? Maybe, but he, I, I want to say it was said for sure. I don't remember if it was Eddie who said it. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I, well we, we but, know Roland said it a bunch of times. Yeah, but no, I, mean, but I don't remember if Eddie had. I didn't know if Roland had made This Eddie is more teaching of... Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh Say your lesson be true. Eddie hissed impatiently through his teeth, angry and distracted, but Roland's eyes didn't flinch. And so he drew a deep breath and tried to clear everything from his mind. I do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. That was a joke. And then we have this long thing that he decides to go over here. Pretty much just saying how he... He pretty much could feel it working. Even though he've only he's only said one line, he's starting to feel that coldness drop through him. He's feeling calmer and steady. He's feeling like he did at Balazar's, where it's starting to just excite him a little bit. Hmm. Oh, yes. He also compared that feeling to being a drug like heroin. Yep. I do not aim with my hand. He who aims with his hands has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not kill with my gun. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. Then without knowing he meant to do it, he stepped out of the trees, spoke to the trundling robots on the far side of the clearing. I kill with my heart. They stopped their endless cycling. One of them let out a high buzz that might have been an alarm warning. The radar dishes each no bigger than a Hershey bar. Half a Hershey bar. <laughs> Turned towards the sound of his voice. Eddie began to fire. The sensors exploded like clay pigeons. One after another, pity was gone from Eddie's heart. There was only that coldness and knowledge that he would not stop, could not stop, until the job was done. Yeah. <laughs> And he says he's not a gunslinger. He knows. We know he's a gunslinger. We're not, though. The only sensor he missed was the one on the stainless steel rat. That shot caromed off its metal back with a high mosquito whine. It surged out of the rut, made a half circle around the box-shaped thing which had been following the snake, and charged across the clearing at surprising speed. It was making an angry and clearing sound. And it closed the distance. Eddie could not could see it had a mouth lined with long, sharp points. They did not look like teeth. They looked like sewing machine needles blurring up and down. No, he guessed these things were really not much like puppies after all. 
Well, they were not. Take it, Roland! He shouted desperately. But when he snatched a quick look, a quick look around, he saw that Roland was still standing with his arms crossed on his chest, his expression serene and distant. He might have been thinking of chess problems or old love letters. Right, we're going to do jack squat. No. You, you got Eddie, this. Eddie, this you're on your own. Your lesson. You have to do this, whether you want to do it or not. I'm not here to help you. Don't look at me. She's like, take it. Oh, where are we? The dish on the rat's back suddenly locked down. It changed direction slightly and buzzed straight towards Susanna Dean. One bullet left, Eddie thought. If I miss, it'll take her face off. Instead of shooting, he stepped forward and kicked the rat as hard as he could. Of course, his uh, shoes are quite different than they used to be. Not yeah. real shoes that very much. Deerskin shoes. And needless to say, he felt every bit of that metal rat. Oh, yeah. Um, the steel rod poked up and blah, blah, blah. And then Eddie shot it. Let's just go with that. I'm not even to read. Eddie shot it. Now, the tiny dish, the tiny radar dish, which had begun to turn again in an effort to find the enemies, disappeared in a blue flash. The rat made a choked noise, kloop, and fell dead on its side. It's an interesting noise. Eddie turned with his heart jackhammering in his chest. Ooh, did he? he couldn't remember being this furious since he realized that Roland meant to keep him in his world until his tower was won or lost. Probably until they were all worm chow in the other worlds. He leveled the empty gun at Roland's heart and spoke in a thick voice he hardly recognized as his own. If there was a round left in this, you could stop worrying about your tower right now. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. He turned to Roland. I tell you, for two cents, Roland's mildly interested expression suddenly changed. His eyes shifted to the point over Eddie's left shoulder. Down, he shouted. Eddie didn't ask questions. His rage and confusion were wiped from his mind immediately. He dropped, and as he did, he saw saw the gunslinger's saw the gunslinger's left hand blur down to his side. My God, he thought, still falling. He can't be that fast. No one can be that fast. I'm not bad, but Susan makes me look more, look slow, and he makes Susanna look like a turtle trying to walk uphill on a piece of glass. <laughs> Sweet Lord. Uh, something passed right over his head, something that squealed at him in mechanical rage and pulled a tuft of his hair. Then the gunslinger was shooting from the hip, three fast shots like thunder cracks and the squeaking stop. The creature who had looked to Eddie like a large mechanical bat thudded to the earth between the place where Eddie now lay and the one where Susanna uh, knelt beside. Angry chance becomes still. Roland crossed to Eddie, walked over easy to spring the boots, blah, blah, blah. There we go. Been knocked out of him. Okay. Uh, the wind had been knocked out of him and he found he couldn't talk. Probably just as well. Seems like every time I open my mouth, I stick my foot into it. Because you do, Eddie. You really do. You really, really do. It was in a tree, Roland said mildly. I didn't see it myself at first. The light gets tricky this time of day. 
He paused and then went on in the same mild voice. She was never in any danger, Eddie. Eddie nodded his head. Roland now realized... He now realized could almost have eaten a hamburger and drank a milkshake before beginning his draw. He was that fast. All right, let's just say I disapprove of your teaching techniques, okay? I'm not going to apologize. Though, so if you're waiting for one, you can stop now. Yeah, yeah. Susanna was fine. She was fine. There was never any danger. The rat could have probably got within an inch of her. And Roland Kills probably still killed it. I mean, like, okay, it's cool. It's cool. Your apology is not expected or necessary, he said. Susanna and I had a conversation similar to this one two days ago. Didn't we, Susanna? She nodded. Roland's of the opinion that the apprentice gunslingers who won't bite the hand that feeds them from time to time need a good kick in the slats. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's another great one I like in here. Uh, there we go. Eddie looked around the wreck and slowly began to beat the bone dust out of his pants and shirt. What if I told you I don't want to be a gunslinger, Roland, old buddy? I'd say that what you want doesn't matter much. <laughs> Roland was looking at the metal. Uh, Eddie had seen this before. When the conversation turned to questions of should be, could be, or outright be, Roland almost always lost interest. Ka, Eddie asked. With a trace of old bitterness. That's right. Call. Roland walked over to the kiosk and pressed a hand. Yeah. We have found one of the twelve portals which ring the edge of the world. One of the six paths to the dark tower. And that is also Ka. Yes. 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 Yeah, you don't, you don't really have to worry. He kind of told uh, Susanna the same thing. It mm-hmm. don't really matter what you think. Yeah. What you care if you're eight. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This is going to go this way. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Yeah. We just move on. We're stuck in the same path. We're going the same way. It's done. And then Eddie went back, or went to gather Susanna's wheelchair. Yes. By himself. He decided he needed some time to think. But really, he was just overexcited. Like, he was still had that adrenaline rush going. Oh, yeah. And he really didn't want to give Roland the satisfaction of... Seeing, okay, I really do like this whole gunslinger business, uh, but I'm not going to let you know that. <laughs> Again, Roland's a lot more observant than you think there, Eddie. I was confused because I had turned the page, but when I looked at you, it, it turned back. <laughs> so when I looked at it, I was like, wait, no, that's the exact same thing. Okay, it says, um... said, uh... And then, of course, we go into, I don't know if you had any notes within the giant paragraph of him saying what he enjoyed doing as far as enjoyed kicking the rat and enjoyed this and that. Not really. I just heard he liked it. That was all. Okay. Because then it says, all that was bad enough, but his heart knew something even worse. That if a door leading back to New York appeared in front of him right now, he might not walk through it. Not, at least, until he had seen the Dark Tower for himself. He was beginning to believe that Roland's illness was a communicable disease. I want to see if it looks the way it did in my dream, he thought. To see something like that, that would be really fantastic. And another voice spoke up inside. I'll bet his other friends, the ones with the names that sound like they came straight from the round table in King Arthur's court, I'll bet they felt the same way, Eddie. And they're all dead. Every one of them. He recognized that voice, like it or not. It belonged to Henry, 
and that made it hard a hard voice not to hear. Yeah, yeah they are dead. Yeah, they died a long time ago. Sad face. A place far, far away. <laughs> far, 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 far away. Yeah. As we get a, a, a description <laughs> up here very soon. Yes. <laughs> oh, far away. God. Holy crap. Now we learn about the beans. Uh, I don't remember if we hmm. beam. I, I got a note, but I don't remember if it was before or after us. Let me about the beam. Oh, it's just, it's pretty much on seventy three. The next page. Yeah, well, well mine's on seventy three oh. too. So, because Eddie joins them, they're looking at the box. I'm going to them. What figure speech? I don't know. I don't know where your part is. Whatever you have. So I don't have. Oh. I was trying, all I wrote down was the beams. Uh, yes, rolling glance at him. Here, that is not a figure of speech. The world really has moved on. And it's going ever faster. At the same time, things are wearing out, falling apart. He kicked the mechanical corpse of the walking bot and illustrated his point. Eddie thought of a rough diagram of the portals which Roland had drawn in the dirt. Is this the edge of the world? Yes, it's a flat earth now. We're a flat earth. <laughs> uh, he asked almost timidly. I mean, it doesn't look much different than the any other any place else. He laughed a little. If there's a drop-off, I don't see it. <laughs> see, just, we kind of gone over this a little bit when we drew this little diagram. Because I was like, how does this how does this work as far as the other side and other ways? Because <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not that kind of edge. It's the place where one of the beams starts. Or so I was taught. The great old ones didn't make the world, but they did remake it. Some tale tellers say the beam saved it. Others say they are seeds of the world's destruction. The great old ones created the beams. They are lines of some sort, lines which bind and hold. Like magnetism! Or at least what Susanna says. Yes. To which Rowling gets fairly excited about that. Yes. And are you talking about magnetism, Susan? Asked curiosity. His face lit up. Yes. Not just magnetism, but that is a part of it. And gravity and the proper alignment of space, side, and dimensions. The beam or the beams are the forces which bind these things together. Now, welcome to psychics in the nuthouse. Physics. Physics. Why don't I last Psychics or <laughs> physics in the nut house, Eddie said in a low voice, and which they ignored because it's best yes. to ignore Eddie sometimes. Uh, but you do know that this is point A, Eddie said, and if we walked long enough in a straight line, we'd come to the other portal called, call it point C, on the other edge of the world. But before we did, we come to a point B, the center point, the dark tower, the gunslinger nodded. And now we get some facts here. Some good old-fashioned facts here. How long is the trip? Do you know? No, but I know it very f it's very far, and that distance grows with every day that passes. To which we get a lot of doubt from Eddie. <laughs> that can't be. Worlds don't grow, Roland. Here we go. Over my right, Civil War. Don't they? Uh, don't they? 
When I was a boy, Eddie, there was a there were maps. I remember one in particular. It was called the Greater Kingdoms of the Western Earth. It showed my land, which was called by its name Gilead. It showed, yep, it showed the downland baronies, which were overrun by right and civil war in the years after I won my guns, and the hills and the desert and the mountains and the western sea. It was a long distance from Gilead to the Western Sea, a thousand miles or more, but it had taken me over 20 years to cross that distance. 20 years. 20. 20 years? Even if you walked the whole distance, it couldn't take 20 years. No, it's not possible. So you're telling me from book four to book Two, where he gets to the Western Sea, was 20 years? Yay! Oh, God. That's insane. And, of course, Eddie, well, you have to allow for stops to write postcards and drink beer. Of course, of course. And they both ignored him again. Because it's best, as always. Oh, then this is the next one, little note here. I didn't walk, but rode most a distance on horseback, Roland said. I was slowed up, shall I say, every now and then. But for the most of the time, I was moving. Moving away from John Farson, who led the revolt which toppled the world I grew up in, and who wanted my head on a pole in his courtyard. He had good reason to want that, I suppose, since I had my compadres since I and my compadres were responsible for the deaths of his great many of his followers, and because I stole something he held very dear. What, Roland? Eddie asked curiously. Roland shook his head. That's another story for another day. Or maybe never. Or maybe never. Maybe never. Ah, <laughs> oh, hmm. Another story. What did you take, Roland? What did you take from John Harson? For now, think not of that, but of this. I've come many thousands of miles because the world is growing. Interesting things going on here. Interesting things, all I can say. There, a thing like that just can't happen. There'd be earthquakes, floods, tidal waves. I don't know what all... Look, Roland said furiously. Just look around you. What do you see? A world that is slowing down like a child's top, even as it speeds up and moves on in some other way none of us understand. To which he starts examining the things he just killed. Yeah, they're not doing particularly well. They've been dying for a long time. and They're rusted. Everything in the world is either coming to rest or falling to pieces. At the same time, the forces which interlock and give the world its coherence, in time and size as well as in space, are weakening. We know that even as children, but we had no idea what time of the end would be like. How could we? Yet now I am living in those times, and I don't believe they affect my world alone. They affect yours, Eddie and Susanna. They may affect a billion others. The beams are breaking down. I don't know if that's a cause or only a symptom, but I know it's true. Come, draw close and listen. Yep, and now, yeah, now we get some interesting things. <laughs> One very important thing. Yes. So yeah. what has what pretty much what we had kind of skipped through is the fact that standing in front of the big box we had described earlier, the nine foot box, 
and now Roland is asking them to listen to it. Yep, as Eddie approached the metal box with the alternating dialogue slashes of yellow and black, a strong, unpleasant memory seized him. For the first time in years, he found himself thinking of crumbling Victorian wreck in Dutch Hill, about a mile away from the neighborhood. He and Henry had grown up. This wreck, which was known as the mansion to the neighborhood kids, occupied a plot of weedy, unattended lawn on... Reinhold. Sure, Reinhold Street. Eddie guessed that, that practically all the kids in the borough had heard spooky stories about the mansion. The house stood slumped beneath its roofs, deep shadows. Kids threw rocks because no one wanted to get close. There was no spray paint on it because nobody wanted to get close. It's rumored to be haunted. This entire description, and I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure it's not by coincidence. Is I want to say near, if not the same description that he gave for the house in it. Oh, is it? I don't know. It wasn't shown. It wasn't shown in the first set of movies, really. But in the new one that came out, that house mm-hmm. that Eddie or I think it was Eddie that saw the leper in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then oh, the one I guarantee the, it's the same house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm pretty sure that it, if I were to open it, it's the exact same, similar description. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is literally meant to be the exact same yeah. house. Because all his things come together. Because yeah, that's exactly what Ro- uh, that's Roland, the king, <laughs> likes to do. Well, or this book particularly yes, the, has everything. Yes, the Dark Tower series is meant to pull all of his works together. In a very odd, strange way, yes. but it pulls it all together. So yes, he is thinking about this house and its windows that seem to look at him. And said, hadn't he had the clear intuition that if he stepped inside that place, the door would slam and lock behind him, and the walls would begin to close in, grinding the bones of dead mice to powder, wanting to crush his bones in the same way. An unpleasant house. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's feeling that exact same way while he's listening to the sound. And as he gets closer, it just gets worse in his head. And it just he starts feeling worse and worse. And it just... He's listening to it. He's listening to a machine that sounds like it's had better days. <laughs> I have no more notes. It's still oh. a while. So if you have anything else you want to talk about. My next note was just like it said... A feeling that the machinery producing the sound, although far more sophisticated even that within the bear had been, was somehow falling out of tune with itself. All is silent in the halls of the dead, Eddie heard himself whisper in a falling, fainting voice. All is forgotten in the stone halls of the dead. Behold the stairways which stand in darkness. Behold the rooms of ruin. These are the halls of the dead where the spiders spin and the great circuits fall quiet one by one. 
And Roland's like, nope, you've had enough. <laughs> We've seen enough of the door. Yeah. <laughs> of this door. <laughs> this terrible, terrible door. So Eddie's pretty much just like, whatever they put in there isn't doing so well, is it? No, nothing in my world is doing well these days. If you boys are planning to camp here for the night, you have to do it without me. Because <laughs> Suzanne is not going to be here. I'm going over yonder. We'll all camp over yonder. Let's go. Everyone's decided, yeah, we really don't, we really, really don't want to be by this door. This is not a pleasant thing. And my last note on that was just that very end. As Eddie felt its hold on him weakening, although it still called to him, invited him to explore the half-lit hallways, the standing stairways, the rooms of ruin where the spider spun and the control panels were going dark one by one. Well, Eddie, you may not be exploring this particular area right now, but, yeah. Someone else might. And Eddie dreams again. Yep. <laughs> he dreams of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I see a red door, and I, I want, want to, to paint, paint it, it black. black. No colors anymore. I want to turn it black. You tell me it's not Hey Jude? No, Come yeah, on. It's not Hey Jude this time. <laughs> it is definitely the Rolling Stones. We're good. It's supposed to be Hey Jude. Hey Jude is a theme, okay? Yeah, well, now <laughs> there's doors involved, okay? <laughs> we got doors. We got doors, okay? I see a red door and I want to paint it black, okay? So you talk about doors, you got to sing about doors. That's how it goes. And of course, he's starting to dream and he's starting to get addicted to this dream. He's he, he, enjoying this dream. Yes. He. he to the point where someone's trying to shake him out of it, and he's like, I really, I, I want to stay. I, I want to stay because I know I'm going to see the tower again. Yes. To which she, uh, good old Susanna starts to try to, to wake good old Eddie up and try harder and harder. And Eddie really, really just wants to stay in the dream. Like, I really want to be here. I want to go back to the door. I want to see the tower. Yes. But, needless to say, the the shaking persists, and good old Eddie wakes up. To which, Susanna woke him, because good old Roland's not doing particularly well in his dreams. No. Roland is having a nightmare. Is it really a nightmare, or is it just kind of... The simple fact of his mind doing what it's been doing. I think Roland is living a waking nightmare at yeah. the moment. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's not doing particularly well. Yes. He kept, he's pretty much just calling for Jake over and over. He keeps repeating, go then, there are other worlds than these. <sighs> and Susanna's like, I could not be alone anymore. No, I need someone here with me. Uh, do you have any idea, idea, Susanna asked. Her eyes were wide wet with tears. Maybe we should wake him up. I don't know, Eddie saw the gunslinger's revolver, the one he wore on his left hip. It had been placed in its holster on the neatly folded square of high within easy reach of the place where Roland lay. I don't think I dare, he added at last. It's driving him crazy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 And he's like, hmm, do I want to startle Roland when he's having a nightmare? There's a gun very close to him, and he's lightning fast. Yes, which causes a problem, because now they are really thinking to themselves, 
what do we do? Because if he starts to go crazy like Shardik, he could easily kill them. Right, we have no chance. Yeah. We have no chance. Yeah. If he goes mad, we're dead. Yes. We're dead. And so then they pretty much just kind of curl up and wait it out. And Roland finally goes quiet. And Eddie's like, I'm not dreaming. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I want to go back, but there's no way I'm sleeping again. To which he falls asleep anyways. Yes, very tired. And back to the dream. He thought as he went, I want to go back to Second Avenue. Back to Tom and Gerald. That's what I want. The dream did not return to him that night, however. And here's coming up one of the one of the best parts of this entire chapter, <laughs> if not the best part of this entire chapter. I love this so much. Yeah. Oh yes, first we get yeah okay. First we get a few other things that we're almost there though. Anyway, they get up in the morning. They start getting things together. It talks about, yeah, they got to follow the beam. How do you plan to keep to a straight line course from here? Susanna asks the gunslinger. If the legends are right, that should be no problem. Do you remember when I asked about, uh, when you asked about the magnetism? She nodded. Uh, right, the last emerge, small square, small square. So he pulls out a needle, yep. pretty much. A compass, Eddie said. You really are an Eagle Scout. Roland shook his head. Not a compass. I know what they are, of course, but these days I keep my directions by the sun and stars. Even now, they serve me quite well. Even now? Susanna asked, trifling uneasily. Uh, yeah, everything's been moving. Every, nothing's quite right. The directions of the world are also in a drift. This world's weird. Oh, this is just a needle, but it is still, and it should serve our purpose as well as the compass. The beam is our course now, and the needle will show it. So pretty much he rummages in his, pe his purse, pulls out a cup, hands it to Suzanne, pretty much puts it in Susanna's lap. Or no, she goes, scoops up some water, puts it in her lap, and drops the needle in. To which it falls to the bottom. <laughs> and of course, Eddie has something to say. Good old Eddie. Wow, Eddie said. Great. I fall at your feet in wonder, Roland, but I don't want to spoil the crease in my pants. Eddie, always got something to say. Always got something to say. So pretty much, Roland just kind of like, just wait and just wheels Susanna into a certain area. Pretty much first wheels her in the direction of the door and then turns her around. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, whoop. Then he rises turns into place and floats in the water pointing in the direction they need to go. And of course, Eddie again. A floating needle. Now I really have seen everything. Floating needle do, telling you where you need to go, Eddie! So, Roland of course has to prove it to Eddie because Eddie's still just Eddie. So <laughs> he wheels her out, it sinks back down, so he wheels her back in and suddenly whoop, back there again. If we had iron filings and a sheet of paper, the gunslinger said, we could scatter the filings in the paper service and watch them draw together in a line, which would point in the same course. We can actually see the beam. Yes. 
when I tell you, look up, look straight ahead in the direction the needle's pointing. Don't look at any one thing. Let your eyes see whatever it will. Now look up. Hmm. They did for a moment. Eddie saw nothing but the woods. He tried to make his eyes relax, and suddenly it was there. Uh, the way the shape of the slingshot had been there inside the knob of the wood. He had knew the Roland had told them not to look at anything. The beam everywhere. Essentially, the beam is everywhere. Yes. Everything is slightly going in that direction. Everything. You see, pretty much all the branches and stuff are kind of being pushed in that way. The shadows are being pushed in that way. And Susanna's like, I, did, I, I don't see anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eddie has an easier time seeing things. Yes. Really seeing lots of things that that Susanna's not yeah. capable, or as capable as him at doing. But she's a lot better gunsling. Yeah. Gun-wise, she's much better than oh, he yeah. is. And so Eddie, of course, is super excited. And he's like, look at the shadows. Look at them. And, of course, she sees it, too. And then Roland tells them to look into the sky. To which you can see the clouds slightly going in, yeah. the, in the beam. And... and I really like that because, I mean, it doesn't have a, a picture specifically for that. But why, do, why is that picture randomly just there? Okay. When you look at... Once again, the picture of the tower, mm-hmm. how they're all in line, spiraling around it. I just think that's really cool. I kind of went the wrong way, but yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey! But yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, Susanna was looking at Roland. It isn't just a thousand miles, is it? Not anymore. How far are we talking about, Roland? Five thousand miles? Ten? I can't say it will be it will be very no, I can't say. It will be very far. Well, how are we gonna get there with you pushing me in this wheelchair? We'll be lucky to make three miles a day through yonder drawers. If you know it. Uh, the way has been opened, Roland said patiently, and that's enough for now. The time may come, Susanna Dean, when we travel faster than you should like. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah, she looked at him. Whatever that word. Uh, both men could see Detta Walker dancing a dangerous hornpipe in her eyes again. You got a race car lined up? If you do, it might be nice if we had a road to run it on. Uh, the land and the way we travel on, it will change. It always does. Susanna flapped the hand at the gunslinger. Go on with it, he Go on with you, it said. You sound like my old mama saying, God will provide. <laughs> Hasn't he, Roland asked? <laughs> uh well, I guess that depends on how you look at it. All I can say is that if this is providing, Roland, I'd hate to see what happened if he decided to let us go hungry. To which, Eddie starts to realize something. I want to get out of this place. I don't like it. And that was true, but that wasn't all. 
He also felt a deep eagerness to set his feet upon that concealed path, that highway in hiding. Every step was a step closer to the field of roses and the tower which dominated it. He realized, not without some wonder, that he meant to see the tower, or die trying. Congratulations, Roland, he thought. You've done it. I'm one of the converted. Someone say hallelujah. Feet upon that concealed path, that highway in hiding. Remember that. Remember that. Highway in hiding. Nice little touch. To which Roland makes the next move. Oh, does he ever... There's one other thing before we go. Roland bent and untied the rawhide lace around his left thigh. Then he slowly began to unbuckle his gun belt. What's this jive? Eddie asked. Roland pulled the gun belt free and held it out to him. You know why I'm doing this, he said calmly. Put it back on, man. Eddie felt terrible. Stew of conflicting emotions rolling inside him could feel his fingers trembling even inside his clenched fist. What do you think you're doing? Losing my mind an inch at a time. Until the wound inside me closes, if it ever does, I am not fit to wear this, and you know it. Take it, Eddie, Susanna said quietly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roland, Roland, knows, Roland knows best. He knows what's going on. Oh, he snatched the gun belt from Roland's hand and buckled it about. He should have been relieved, he supposed, hadn't he looked at this gun lying so close to Roland's hand in the middle of the night and thought about what might happen if Roland really did go over the high side? Hadn't he and Susanna both thought about it? But there was no relief, only fear and guilt and a strange aching sadness for far too deep for tears. He looked so strange without his guns, so wrong. Okay, now that the apprentices have the guns and the master's unarmed, can we go, please? If something big comes out of the bush at us, Roland, you can always throw your knife at it. (laughs) Oh, that, he murmured. I almost forgot. He took the knife from his purse and held it out, hilt first to Eddie. This is ridiculous. (laughs) Life is ridiculous. Yeah? Put it in a postcard and send it to the... Uh, Reader's Digest, Eddie jammed the knife into his belt and then looked faintly at Roland. Now can we go? There's one more thing, Roland said. Weeping, creeping Jesus. The the smile touched Roland's mouth again. Just joking, he said. Eddie's mouth dropped open. (laughs) Beside him, Susanna began to laugh again. The sound rose as musical as bells in the morning stillness. Good old Roland. You want to talk about the best time in the world to throw a joke out there when the man doesn't ever joke about anything. Uh, go to joke about one of the most important things at the moment. Oh yeah, Eddie, I got. There's one more thing. One, one more. One more. I got one more. Roland surprises you. He really does. Good old, good old Roland there. To which they start their journey again, and while they're passing some trees, Eddie stops. Yes, he does. All this is great. It's just—it's all great. It says, "Can we stop here, rest a minute? What is it?" Suddenly, Eddie felt Henry's presence again, like a weight settling on his shoulders. Oh, look at the sissy! Does the sissy see something in the tree? Does the sissy want to carve something? Does he? Oh, ain't that cute? We don't have to stop. I mean, no big deal. I just 
saw something. Roland finished, Roland finished for him. <laughs> Whatever it is, stop ruin, running your everlasting mouth and get it. It's really nothing. Eddie felt warm blood mount to his face. He tried to look away from the ash tree, which caught his eye. But it is. It's something you need, and that's a long way from nothing. If you need it, Eddie, we need it. What we don't need is a man who can't let go of this useless baggage of his memories. The warm blood turned <sighs> hot. Eddie stood with his flaming face pointed at his moccasins for a moment longer, feeling as if Roland had looked directly into his confused heart with his faded blue bombardier's eyes. Yeah. Roland's a lot smarter than you <laughs> give him credit for, Eddie. A lot smarter than you give him credit. He knows what's going on. He knows what you need. He knows what's got happening. <sighs> finally, I think Roland gets through to Eddie. Stop apologizing for what you like to do, what gets drawn to you. It's caught. Just do it. Forget Henry. Keep going. Do what you like to do. <laughs> Be yourself. Ugh, do what you like to do. I'm not sorry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. <laughs> Copyright strike right there. Yeah. We're too good. Well, we just got flagged. Right there. That's all it took. So, yes. It says, what is it? Maybe nothing, he muttered, and then forced himself to add, maybe a lot. If I don't screw it up, maybe quite a lot. So he goes to cut the piece of wood that he needs. Because he mm -hmm. feels the key calling to him. Do you know what your next one is? I do. I was just trying, oh, okay. to, trying to find context. <laughs> That's really all it comes down to. From the tree. So he gets his little thing. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know. It's God, God. Pretty much, he carves it out, or he get he cuts the piece that he needs off, and he starts to kind of just sit there and think if he's the man for the job. To which Roland finds him. He's like, I think you know a secret. Maybe I do. Can you tell? He shook his head. Better not to, I think. Not yet. Roland thought this over and then nodded. All right. I want to ask you one question, and then I'll drop the subject. Have you perhaps seen some way into the heart of my... my problem? Eddie thought... And that's as close as he'll ever come to showing the desperation that's eating him alive. I don't know. Right now, I can't tell for sure, but I hope so, man. I really, really do. Roland nodded again and released Eddie's hands. I thank you. We still have two hours of daylight. Why don't we make use of them? Fine by me. So we skip to the that night... Eddie's, car Eddie, Eddie's starting to do his carving. Susanna's watching the stars. And Roland is kind of just standing at the edge of the fire, staring off into space. There was a boy. There was no boy. Was. Wasn't. Was. Oh, Jake, he thought. Where are you? Where are you? 
And above the three of them, Old Star and Old Mother rose into their pointed places and stared at each other across the starry ruins of their ancient broken marriage. Which I thought was really cool because that's how he kind of started out this one. And that is the end of, technically, technically it's the end of chapter one. (laughs) A lot of chapter one there. Chapter two, Key and Rose. We'll be moving through the first half of that next time. Which, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I don't think we mentioned it before because if for some magical reason you're reading along with us, we very rarely mention things. We usually follow in chapters. Um, we are going to be going from the beginning of chapter two, Key and Rose, all the way to 118, the very end of, what, 14 Se- technically? Yeah, section 14. Section 14 of chapter two, which is page 118. If you happen to be trying to follow along with us. Yeah. I mean, if you read past that, it's not that going to be that big of a deal. But at least read up to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're following along. Yeah. If you're doing that. I don't know. Seemed like something good to say. <laughs> Goodbye, Leaf. <laughs> yeah, I lost it. Yeah, it's gone forever. Whew. Alrighty. That was... It wasn't... I guess it wasn't... It wasn't really a big chapter, but there was just a lot that was going oh, on. Oh, it kind of was. I mean, it, it was... was a build-up. Well, these chapters are a lot, lot, lot bigger than yeah. the previous chapters we had in the other book. This chapter was close to 80 pages. Yeah. Some of the chapters in the other book were 10, 8 pages long. And it was like, all right, we're going to see what we can do with this. Um, so this just this this one chapter was as big as like four or five chapters in the last book. Well, I also think that this was a great, I wouldn't say conclusion, because it's not, it's a conclusion and it's a start. Like this is finally after two two in a, two in a chapter of books, <laughs> two whole books in a chapter that we're finally on the path to the tower. Yes, yes, we finally got to the beam to which we can they can start their appropriate journey to the direct path of the tower. We had Roland's beginning. We had the drawing of the people that he needs to be with him. And now we are finally at point A, heading to yes. point B. He found the guardian, killed the guardian, and found the beam. Sure, Dick. Yep, so finally on the path to the beam, finally heading to the Dark Tower, officially. Still lots of things yes. to come, though. Lots of things. Lots and lots. But on that note. On that note, it was very enjoyable. I love this book so much. It's such a great book. Yes, it really is. What's the next book? Where are we? Is it Wizard in Class? Yes, it is. For some reason, I was thinking Wolves of Call was next. No. Nope. It's, it's not. No, nope. it, it is Wizard in Glass. So we'll get... I have to get Wolves of Call still. Yeah, I, I forgot know. about that note. It'll I thought I figured we had time. Not that <laughs> we, we have more than enough time. We gotta get through this book. We gotta get through that book. And then we'll get the Wolves of Kala. And I don't, re- I don't remember how long we said this was going to take. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember how many chapters were in this. Because it's it's wonky. It's very wonky. I can't find the chapter. There's so, there's so, he has like 400 openings here. And then, he, then we have the illustrations. All right. Let's see. We're going to take up a total of six, 12 weeks. So, what's that? Three months. Kind of. So that takes three months. If we assume the next book's the same, that's another three months. Okay, we're Assume good. it's the same. <laughs> so it's six months from now. We're only in February. 
I mean, it's going to be August, September before <laughs> we even get there. So, it's much more close. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, I'll be fine. I and, have some time. And if that actually has chapters, kind of like the last one, it'll be much longer. We'll have smaller ones to deal with. So, it may not be till like, Christmas when we get to it. I don't know why I'm even saying if. For love of God, let me just look you're, at this. You're saying if. Because eventually, I'm sorry, but we have to say goodbye. We don't have to say goodbye. I can make this last forever. <laughs> forever. No, this one's going to be very much the same. Because contents, would that be right? Yeah, prologue. Yeah, yeah. This is one more have issues with. <laughs> we might have to split in like three sections oh, at a time. Oh my goodness. So yes, we'll get through this one rather quickly, just like this one. So it, it won't take long in three months to get to this. So solid six months will be done. You've heard it from here, guys. You did, you did. Come on, we have a couple more minutes, so I have to go. Okay, you just drag it out as long as possible. Yes, because we're almost at a two-hour for a... <laughs> Way too long. For a 30-page 30, 30 thing? It was 40 pages. 40 pages. Or technically it was 39 pages. It was 39 pages. Whatever. So we're at an hour and 45 minutes. That's a long one. No, ish. <laughs> ish. There's... Minus break. break well, that's not thing. counting in this well, one. So uh, actually, yeah. technically, it is an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. It's been long. <laughs> if you stuck around, proud of you there. Real proud. Especially Yay! if you're watching this nonsense at the end. Oh, jeez. No one watches nonsense at the end. There's no Someone reason listens to. to it. Kit Kat does stick around a little bit. Kit Kat. You um, officially deemed Kit Kat. Well, yeah, like it, it happened. It happened. It did happen. I blame him. I blame you. No. You started it. You started it. I called him Kit Kit. Kit you Kat. You called him Kit Kat. It's not my fault, Kit Kat. It's not my fault. You did this. Now he's a candy bar. Well, hopefully he likes Kit Kat. Okay. Um, anyway. As always, you can reach me at Sars Untraveled, reach Amanda at KZ Pup, reach the show at Beyond Our Focus on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, which hopefully you're watching this now, and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Um, Sweet. As always, hope you enjoyed. Throw a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel because we would really appreciate that. See those metrics go up just a smidge would be nice to kind of, uh, because officially you can't. We can't register our YouTube channel under Beyond yeah, Our Focus I know. until we reach 100 subscribers. We're a jumbled mess of numbers and letters no one can find. So, I mean, it's still easy to find us. But it'd be nice to say, hey, we're at YouTube slash Beyond Our Focus and be done with it. Yeah. And we don't have that because we're we can't. We're at 21. So, yeah, it'd be, we appreciate a lot if you actually subscribe to the channel. Even if you're an audio podcast person and you're still listening magically to the end of this podcast... Go over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel just because. No reason I'll just do it. I love how it's magic. It's all magic. In, in order to be at this point, you have to be magical. To make it almost story. two hours into the podcast and then listen to the <gasps> rambling, jumbled mess at the end? Yes. Yes, it's magic that you stuck around. And we love you. If you stuck around, we do. Kit Kat, talk to you. <laughs> You're the only person I know who might. Um... Uh, towards the end of my little speech. Anyway, leave some comments down below. Let us know what you thought of the video. Any final things you'd like to throw in there? Nope. Awesome possum. Till next time! Long days and pleasant nights. <laughs>